0: It's time for Running building the game, the building game, the game, building the game the with Jason and friends for table, and table the game, top the game design the food.
1: The end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, November 29th, and you're listening in episode 496. As always, I am your host, Jason, here today, joined by two old friends of mine that I have not seen in a very, very long time. I have Suzanne and Chris Zinsley of Cardboard Edison with me. How are you two doing?
2: Hey Jason.
0: Hey Jason. Hi, we're doing good. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. We just yeah. For I... you on the show, and we miss <laughs> you.
1: Well, right back at you too. Yes, I know. I, I honestly don't remember the last time I saw both of you. Maybe Gen Con in 2019. I know that you were doing the one of you's there, one of you's not there. So like, I don't.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna say yes.
2: That sounds right. <laughs> I That's
0: was fair. there. I know yes. that. I don't remember. Um, Yeah, one of us. I mean, probably there.
2: It's it's hard to say because 2019 was 10 years ago. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) You are not (laughs) wrong. Very hard to remember that far back. It is. I
1: uh yeah, you were one of the only uh, one of the very small handful of people I've met through the podcast who's actually come to my town and visited me on the way through. Uh, you visited way back when. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Um, we were
0: so excited and so nervous to meet you. Oh, you, like, oh my oh, gosh, this is going to oh, be Oh, that's so funny.
1: Cool. I felt like the same thing. So, <laughs> oh, look at us! All these years later, we're all so much cooler than we ever were. We're super awesome. So, look at us go!
0: Absolutely. That, that's what <laughs> getting
1: older is all about: getting cooler. <laughs> I like to think so. I never thought so when I was younger, but now that I'm getting older, I'm pretty much going with that. Cause yeah, it just uh it just feels better to to assume that that you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, so how how have you two been doing? You're over on the East Coast there in uh are you in New Jersey, New York?
0: We are in New news? Jersey. Uh, New we Jersey, are, okay uh yep, we are in the northwest corner of new jersey now where we yeah we were yeah we were living here then when we met him for the first time
2: true but yeah, not not for that long we moved not too long before before the last time we came on the show yeah
0: we used to live yeah. right outside of new york city in before new jersey time. but right, right outside right right because there was chris, chris worked in the
2: city
1: yeah i knew that chris had worked in the city
2: so so yeah But But uh, I haven't been there in a year and a half.
1: Right, right. You're probably one of those people that's like, oh, wow, all this commuting time. I sure miss it. (laughs) There are. There are probably days. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair.
2: To working from home. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I agree. I've been working from home since I had started working from home about a year or so before the pandemic. My hardest transition point was the opposite of everyone else's, which was. I worked alone in an empty house, uh, with just the dog and I, and then all of a sudden there were four of us plus the dog here. And, uh, and that was, that was a little harder. Now we're down to two. It's just my wife and I, and that works out great. We have our own offices. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so we just, we can chat whenever we want, but we also can like get our work done and not teach children how to do school. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's things around the upswing.
2: We had a, we've had a similar experience over the past 18 months, uh, specifically with game design. The, it was such a weird time, not being able to see anybody, not being able to do any play testing, but still having a decent amount of time to do design, but just not actually test anything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff. A lot of people were doing the online te- testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just takes so much time. So hard. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's interesting because I've gotten so used to it now that the first time about six months ago when I had to make a physical prototype, I was like, oh, this is awful. Like, I can't (laughs) believe I did this all the time. Was all this cutting. Like, what am I doing? Right. That said, um, when I finally sat down on that table with with my friends and played, it was like, oh, wow. Like, this is, I've been missing this, you know, Uh, missing that a lot. So... Yeah, there's something we said for the ability to be online uh, playtesting, but yep. nothing will ever be as good as uh, as doing it, um, yeah, the the normal way. So agreed. <laughs> so as we mentioned, uh, two things: one, you two are cardboard Edison, uh, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard of. I know we've name dropped you all for a long time, um, but that said. Uh, we also pointed out you haven't been on the show in literally forever. <laughs> so um, so I would love to kind of have you uh, talk to us about what it is Cardboard Edison is, you know, what, what kind of what your goals and your mission are to, you know, to do in the game design community uh, and what you're doing.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, basically, Cardboard Edison, the whole purpose is to try and be a resource for anything that a board game designer might need. Um, And so we started it out. Oh, gosh, what year did we start it? 2012, I think. We're coming up on on 10 years. It'll be it'll be 10 years very soon. In
1: good company, because that's when the podcast started. So, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, we, we kind of came up at like the exact same time in parallel. Um, Mm -hmm. And so uh, it started out as a a blog and a Twitter account to just basically put out there all of the interesting, useful board game design resources that we ourselves were finding as we were learning about the industry. Um, And it's just grown from there. Um, We've started all sorts of uh, game design related projects since then. Uh, We've done, um, we did a a podcast about game design. We did a, a bunch of infographics uh, about different pieces of the industry, interviews. Um, we do an annual award for unpublished game designs. Um, what else do we do? There's we other have stuff. There's a newsletter. There's a newsletter
0: that does like the best roundup of the week. Um, yeah.
1: You retweet our show a lot, which I always appreciate yeah. with nice stuff too. Most of the people just retweet it, but y'all say like nice things about it and then retweet it. <laughs> so
0: all right there you go it's a good show we like it
1: appreciate that
0: uh we think we think the community can really learn a lot from it too um it's it's it's, we like your show appreciate that
1: that's and i think we you know one of the things other than the fact that we're just a bunch of cool people who liked hanging out with each other but i i do think that you know we're we're kind of all cut from the same cloth in the fact that we want to really help out designers uh, and our, our designers ourselves, but also want to, you know, make things easier and more accessible for other designers. Uh, and I think that's, you know, I think our goals are very much intertwined. We, we certainly do it in two different ways. Like y'all are like, like do a lot of like really heavy lifting. And I just, spew words and like interview really smart people and like then they they make you know everything helpful but uh i uh no i i have used you all as a resource for so long um and uh yeah i mean we we 100 need things in the community like cardboard edison because yeah because it's you know i it's funny because when we all started I, i'm sure you felt this too like when we all started it, it was it it, it kind of felt like the wild west in terms of like figuring out how to, how to do things and stuff. And now I, I feel like, Oh, this is so much more formalized. It makes so much more sense. But, but I realize that for new designers, it's probably even more overwhelming because when it was the wild west, you could just like go show games to people and stuff. And you can still do all that, of course, but there's just so like, I don't know. There's just so much more things that we have access to, like different publishers and things and and industries within the industry, you know, the smaller portions of the industry. And it Mm. just seems so overwhelming for for someone new coming into this. Um, And there are new designers every day. Right. (laughs) So, yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that like, we've, we've noticed over the last 10 years is that even though the, kind of the places that we're finding useful information um, for board game designers have changed over the years and like the, the blogs that we monitor and the YouTube channels that we check out and the podcasts that we listen to, a lot of those have come and gone. Some of them have been mainstays for a a long time, not going to name check anybody here, but, uh, but, you know, a lot of others have come and gone, but the the thing that's remained the same is that so many people in the board game industry are just interested in helping out other people uh, and putting out useful information. Um, That's, Mm -hmm. that's, just that that's something about the character of the industry that has not changed over the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, I you know I that's a really really good point. As you said that I was trying to think of like what makes this industry that way. You know, what what makes us an industry of people that want to help other people. And like I feel like a big part of that is I mean, yeah, there's like money to be made and and quote, fame to be had, right? we could be like I know, as i yeah. used to love to say nerd famous right like we're famous in the circle of like the people that we know right but like i mean in reality like you have to love games and game design to do this because it's a lot of work um with like you know like not a lot of like, like there's not a lot of like tangible things you're consistently getting back like you're not making tons of money right i mean it's it's the it's the relationships it's the seeing your games out there which is a tangible thing but that feeling is intangible right that like look we've put into the world and i know the games that you all have had published it's the same thing right you just you feel so good when you see it out there and people can enjoy it um and i think when you have an industry like that because we have to be so passionate about it that it makes us want to help each other or maybe where it's just means we're the type of people that want to help each other. I mean, is that, does that make sense? Because I've also met some jerks. So
0: you know. <laughs> I, I think it makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, with anything there, there's always a couple bad seeds, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But overwhelmingly, the industry's a pretty cool place to be.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I think the speaking to the bad seeds, um, I, I think we have at least seen more consequences for said bad seeds, right? Like, we, yes, peop- they're being rooted out, and they're being, you know, um, you know, they're being punished for for being bad, and that's uh, uh, and that's a good thing. I mean, I wish that it didn't have to be like once a week. We have to see like a revelation that someone else is awful. Um, I mean, I'm glad that those revelations are coming out. I just wish right. that there weren't so many revelations to be had. Absolutely, um, right? I mean, like, gosh, people, be nice to people. Come on. <laughs> um,
2: but I think you know, to, to the to the point that that you were making, Jason. I think I think you know if if people were getting into board games with the idea that they really want to make a whole lot of money,
0: there are so Mm -hmm. many
2: better ways of doing that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like it's possible you could have, you know, a major hit and make millions of dollars, but like you'd have a much better shot of that, of doing that in so many other places. Yeah.
1: Here's, here's something for your next infographic. Figure out if like, like the chances of you as a designer having a mega millions hit. Compared to you winning the lottery or being eaten by a shark or being <laughs> struck by lightning, like let's see that comparison, cardboard Edison. Where's that for us? Right, like, I want to know. You are more likely to be struck by lightning than you are to have a hit game published. Uh, no, don't do that. Nobody wants to see that statistic.
2: <laughs> I kind of do actually.
1: Another measurement. <laughs> I uh I I had um uh my kids i don't know they were talking recently and uh it was something about like they said if you're if you were standing on a roof and then there was a lightning storm would you rather stay on the roof or go in a tank with sharks <laughs> and i was like uh with hungry sharks and i was like uh i think i'd stay on the roof and they're like no, Dad, you go in the shark tank. You're way less likely to be bit by a shark. I was like, in the ocean, but in a shark tank, like the odds are greatly changed, okay? Like, I'm not great
2: with math, but like it's different. Yeah, and it was it was specifically said that the sharks were hungry.
1: Exactly, right? Like for,
2: for me, that that was the tipping point. Right.
1: The only thing they left out was like wearing a seal costume, right? That's <laughs> but I digress statistics. Yes. <laughs> um, well, let's, uh, I, I want to hit on, you mentioned the cardboard Edison award and that is, first of all, kudos to y'all think like, that is you do. So, like when you hear about people say like, we're giving out an award, like, and it's not like the spiel or not like the American tabletop awards. Like it's, it, or it's like, when you hear like a convention say we're going to give an award, right? Um, like, I think of like a group of people hanging out for a weekend and like deciding and you have a weekend where you hang out, but the amount of work that you all put in to do every stage of that, it's just insane to me. Like, it's just so much. I'm so thankful that
2: you do it. Um. So, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I should say it is like 99% Suzanne. Like, she... Puts her heart and soul into this thing every year.
0: Yeah, it's I I love it, and uh, the award is opening up for submissions January first, twenty
1: twenty. Nice, nice. Um,
0: yeah. So, uh, it's it's really it's really interesting. So, what I try to do, uh, for each game that's submitted, uh, they get a number of judgings in the first round. The first round consists of um, like a five-minute video and a rule book. Mm-hmm. And each game I try to make sure is judged by um a designer, a publisher, and a media person, like an industry media personality, um, so that you get all different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and then yeah, we pick the finalists and we have a weekend at our house where we play the games and in years past we would also have a weekend somewhere else so that other judges could come but the past 2 years we have not and in 2022 we most likely will not also mm-hmm. um just you know there's so much that can happen um oh, yeah yeah with, you know with everything going on in the world right now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but what we did last year and we're going to do again this year is we actually shipped all the prototypes to other judges um, and they would play them with their pod.
1: That's awesome. And so we
0: did that. And then we also had an online track Mm -hmm. So we're going to do that again this year. So there'll be uh, two tracks with two winners. Um, And we're really excited. I mean, the amount of talent that we see is just, it, it blows me away. Like each year I'm like, all right, I've seen like all the game ideas, like you know, because I <laughs> and judge, more. <laughs> I judge a majority of them. Like, I, I do several hundred of the judgings myself each year, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to say anything original. And then stuff comes through, and I'm like, oh my god, this is great! Like, <laughs> how is this not a game already?
1: Right, right, yeah, and um, yeah, no, people should really, really, um apply for that i did for the one, first time in a long time last year uh isaac and i submitted a game which ended up i think with an honorable mention um mm-hmm. and um yeah and that game is signed now so that's yay exciting. congratulations uh, thank congratulations. you yeah. yeah and uh no i think i'm gonna try and do it this year submit it because um i've got a game that i think would be fun to submit and so i'll have to do that and it's 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 really it's the labor intensive part is not on the designer side. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I made a video, which for some people takes a little longer. I I have to make videos for my job, at least I used to. And so like I'm pretty used to it. But like I made a video, I used to put the rules together and then like we it wasn't super hard to do that. And then we set you a prototype. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's completely worthwhile. And I, I encourage people to do it. Um, you've had. Uh, several games that have won that or even like been in the top like tier of winners that have went on to be published. Um, yeah. yeah all, right? all the
0: winners have yeah. um, and a lot of the top 10. And honestly, there have been a lot, a lot that uh, weren't in the top 10 weren't finalists, but still got picked up from the contest because you know each game is judged by at least one publisher or one you know one designer one Mm -hmm. media personality and we tell our judges like you know if you like this game or if you know a company that might be interested once the award is over you know get in touch like put you know put the contacts together reach out to them because awesome. I mean our goal we want to play as many games as we can so right right be really a good game like publish it we want to play it so um yeah so even if you don't make the the finalists like a lot a lot a lot of other designers have been signed um just from the initial run
1: yeah that's fantastic yeah I know I um. I can see why you have so many eyes on that within the contest. And then I think because of that, it's so respected that, you know, when you see winners, too, that gets people's attention. Right. When I know that I always look at the list like, oh, who are the winners? (laughs) Like, Right.
0: We actually usually have uh, a decent number of publishers reach out to us. And ask us for the contact information. Nice. So that's always like really exciting when we're like, yeah, you know, you know, and we email the contestant like, hey, you know, so and so from so and so wants that's to reach awesome. out to you. Can we give them your info? Um, and they're always enthusiastic and say yes. So it's exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah. I so, know one so... year, a couple of years ago, um, one of the games. I'm not going to say which one, but. It had like eight publishers oh, yeah, like vying for the game. And we wow. were like, oh, my gosh, like it was great. Like they and they all reach all the publishers reached out to us and um, we were really excited. So
1: that's fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, so plug for especially newer designers like this is a really good way to get a lot of eyes on your game. And worst case, get a lot of good feedback about your game and the thoughts that people have on it. So I think that that's, yeah, I mean, put, put that together and, and, and check that out. Um, I think that's really worthwhile. And, and again, thank you to for all the work you do, especially Suzanne here, since, since Chris has admitted that it's, <laughs> it's, it's all her. Um, something else I would love to chat about for a minute. This is something that I've plugged on the show so many times, is your publisher directory, um, yeah. that I um, I are you still doing that and updating that? Have I been sending people in the wrong direction or no? Okay, good. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, oh yeah, we yeah we <laughs> yeah. We, we constantly uh, keep that updated. um Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I I doing I it
1: now. Yeah, I haven't needed to look at it in a while. I have it. I I bought it. I have it. So you always get the updates for it, and uh, I just haven't needed to look at it in a bit with everything with the pandemic going on, and so I was afraid that I was like, oh yeah, go get this, and like we don't even do that anymore. Jason, quit telling him that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's that's like, I mean, probably aside from the award, that's probably the thing that, that we get the most positive feedback about that we do. Um, and so let's see, I think right now there's 294-ish publishers listed in it um and uh we're we're, you know we're constantly on the lookout for for new publishers that Mm -hmm. have just started up or maybe they're an older publisher who has just you know been like a self-publisher previously Mm -hmm. but now they're accepting outside submissions so we're always on the lookout for that but then we also every every few months um go through any 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 profiles for publishers that haven't been updated in at least a year Mm-hmm. Um and reach back out to those publishers and say, hey, heads up, this is what we've got listed for you. We heard back from you a year ago or a year and a half ago, however long it's been. Um, is everything still good? Do you want us to make any updates? Um, so we, we try and keep it as fresh as we possibly can. And That's if a, we I,
0: don't hear back from a publisher for a significant amount of time, we remove them from the directory um, mm-hmm. because we just assume that the information we have isn't right. And... We want this to be, you know, very uh, useful for designers. So if we have information and the contact person has left and the company's not, you know, not responding to us or whatever, then we're not going to have it in there because we don't want designers to waste their times, their time. Right.
1: No, and that's appreciated. Do you have like our, our publishers in general, pretty, pretty good about trying to, yes, like here's the information, trying to work with you all. Um, because i mean yep. it seems to me like they would want this information correct right cuz that helps people not just like sending them random messages on twitter like publish my game right <laughs> like you know like going the right way
2: <laughs> yeah no g- generally they're they're great about it um you know some Sometimes you'll have like Suzanne said, the contact person if it's a bigger publisher, there's a lot of turnover um because uh, these are like professional people um they have careers and so they'll mm-hmm. move from company to company um and so we have to figure out, okay, well, that person is, is no longer there. who's the new contact um, and then right. convince them all over again that uh, right. of the of the value of having a profile. Um, but, but then, you know, by the same token at the, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got your really small publishers and every once in a while, these are, you know, one person, two people, and Mm -hmm. it's not their full-time job. It's something that (laughs) they they do very much on the side. Um, it takes, uh, you know, all their spare time. And so they've got a lot going on. And so, you know, getting back to us isn't necessarily going to be their top priority either. Um, right right. because that means more submissions
1: which might be hard for them right to
2: handle (laughs) yeah so you know we we you know we we reach out every few months um and if if a few years go (laughs) go by and and we haven't heard from them it's kind of like all right well uh well we'll take you off we'll keep on reaching out you know we we've taken some publishers off um just because we haven't heard from them but you know they haven't told us that they're not interested um it's just that you know, we, we haven't, we don't have the current information. Um, and so we'll, we'll just check back in again later. Um, and maybe they'll Mm -hmm. be interested again later.
1: Right. And obviously if that information is not curated in the way that you all are doing it, then it's not useful. Right. I mean, that's kind of the point, right. As anyone could make a list, like the, the point is that y'all are curating it and, and, uh, like when I got the first list, you know, I like, okay, so I've got this spreadsheet and I was like, Oh my gosh, this has like so much in it. Like, you know, the first time I saw it, I was blown away by the amount of detail that it had and how useful that was. So yeah. Yeah. I, um, I still strongly recommend it to any designer. Whenever I'm working with a, I've been working through the tabletop mentorship program with different mentees. I'm always like, Hey, listen, step one, go get this. Like, cause they're like, which publishers said I talked to him? Like I can think of some, but like (laughs) apparently there's over almost 300 now on your list. So like, that's, you know, like you want to be checking that for somebody who might want your game. Because yeah. I know that I'll hear people say like somebody I know is like a published designer. They've got multiple games on. They said, oh, I've got this new game. I'm like, oh, who published it? And they'll say a company's name. And I'm like, I have no idea who that is. And then I go look and I'm like, oh my gosh, they have like seven games. And like some of these look really good. Like I should check this out. So, yeah, it's it's hard to keep track of. For sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. We, you know, the the thing about about the uh, publisher directory and, and honestly, pretty much everything that Cardboard Edison does is that there are things that we as designers ourselves wish existed and and if it if it didn't exist already then and it's something that we wanted then it's kind of like well maybe we should do it right yes yes and uh
1: yeah that's i mean that's kind of how the podcast started right we said hey are there any uh like are there any resources for how we should be doing this nope Well, I guess we'll just record what we're doing and and hope that that helps people, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let's talk a little bit about um, this infographic here. So I got a sneak preview of this infographic that you did. It's an updated one uh, that's Mm -hmm. coming out actually today as the day the show was published. It's coming out today. Yes.
0: Um,
1: And uh, so I'm not even going to attempt to explain how detailed and amazing this is so i'm gonna let you all start it. oh uh bridget is this bridget um in delicado that did this exactly oh right gosh. yeah she's the graphic designer yeah, for yeah. Her. her her work is so good yeah i love it um yeah, yes. yeah she, she does high praise there so um all right sorry i digress i i happened to pull up the first page and then immediately saw bridget and i was like bridget i and i'm like that's got to be her like this looks so good yeah. Um, so let uh, tell us well, tell us a little bit about the history of the infographics if you don't mind and, and how how that kind of got started
2: yeah so this actually goes back to 2015 um, we did a survey of board game designers about the contracts that they signed when they when they licensed their games to publishers um, mm-hmm. and so we asked like about, Everything about the contract, um, about, you know, how did it come together? Um, all of the terms in it, what kind of advance did you get? How did you feel about this? Um, and and so we, um, based on the results of that survey, we put out a whole series of infographics over the following year, um, kind of laying out, okay, this is what we found. This is what's going on with board game contracts. Um, this is what you can expect if you want to sign a game. Um, and we kind of sliced and diced the information in various ways. Um, five years later, um, we had started getting uh, questions from people saying, hey, are you going to redo that survey? Um, this information is like five years old. The industry is, has changed since then. And they're right, it had. Uh, right. And so, A little bit. <laughs> and so, so uh, last year, we repeated the survey. Um, we uh, reached out to uh, game designers who'd signed a game with a publisher um, between 2015 and 2020. Um, So we have now kind of like a point of comparison and we can see, okay, what did things look like uh, five years ago and what do things look like now? Um, And so earlier this year, we put out the first two infographics um, and they kind of lay out all of the basic information about what are common terms in contracts Um, And then this new one that's out today does a comparison and contrast about how things have changed uh, in the board game industry in various ways um, in between 2015 and last year when we did the updated survey.
1: Yeah, and this is is really dense with with some really good stuff. Do you want to, is there anything you specifically want to highlight in here that you, um, yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, what do we want to highlight? I don't
0: know. Oh, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, so the, the way that we have it broken down is is we, we kind of talk about um, the kind of game design community um, mm-hmm. as as a whole um, in different ways that that group has changed. Um, and then we look at publishers um, and how they are have changed and how they're approaching signing games is different than it previously was. And then the third section is how like different terms within contracts themselves have changed. So Jason, what are you most interested in? What do you want to hear about? Um, you know, the first
1: the 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 first thing on the list is is interesting to me to see the the difference and it's a positive change, uh, which is the, the gender uh, breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it's still and so this is based on um the portion of games, at least one woman on the design team. Um, And you've, you know, looking at that, like, gosh, you went from 1% uh, of a, a being a, a all female to in 2% of being like mixed gender. Um yep. And now you've got 9% all female, 7% mixed gender, and then 0.5 uh, non-binary, which I'm guessing you probably just weren't tracking that last time. Is that a fair assumption or was it just not any reporting on that?
2: I believe that we we did include that in 2015. Um yeah. and that it's just it was just it was too small to measure. Um none of That's the respondents yep. had had yep. selected that. Yeah.
1: But so this feels like you know, this went from a 97% like male industry to like 83%, which is <laughs> it's a long ways to go, but that <laughs> you know, um feels like a good change. Like I'm excited about that. I just uh, yeah, it feels like there's a long ways to go on that.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really excited too. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see, uh, what it's like when we do the next one. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, but even if you go to any cons or just anywhere in the gaming community, you are seeing, uh more females, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, when, when we did the 97%, the first time I was like, yeah, that seems about right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, And 83, yeah, you know, that, that seems about right, right now. But I think the trend is, is going in the right direction and I'm really excited about it. And um, as you know, one of the two percenters before, (laughs) I'm happy to now be a seven percenter.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, I, I I'm confident that that number will continue to rise, you know, at least I, I hope so. Um, You know, I mean, and it does feel like it should be higher, but I, I feel like I've been so fortunate to, to know a lot of female designers and work with female designers. Um, So to me in my head, that number feels like it's higher than that. Right. Because if I look at the percentage of designers I'm working with, like 50% of them are female. Right. So, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it, I know that it's uh it's not that way all around, but I'm glad to see that it's trending in that um in that direction. Um the other thing, and I'm not just trying to like cherry pick right at the beginning here. These are just the things that I was able to look through when we first started chatting, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um the percentage of designers who are um now like this is this isn't necessarily it feels like so in pre-2015. 57% of designers 57% of designers had had um a game published and never had a game published before when they were getting a game published and now that's actually down to 40 and I don't know mm-hmm. is that like I what's your take on
2: that number I'm I'm really interested um that was something that that I think caught us a little bit by surprise right
0: yeah um But there's a couple of factors that could be at play, you know. One is we, you know, our data, we reached out in the same way as we reached out in 2015. Um, So we reached out on all our social media accounts. We reached out to people we knew who were designers. And uh, we also asked them, hey, please pass this on. Like, if you are part of a design group, please pass this on to other um, published designers, um, so it it could be you know our data it could be something about the sample that that, that
2: we reached right. out to. Right, right,
0: Another thing could be it, that you know it could that could just be the cases. It's harder for new designers to break in, you right, know, right. especially when you you know there's a lot of published designers who. Are making this, I think, more than in 2015. Are making it their full time thing, where Mm -hmm. they're coming out with several games a year. And you know, when you have a name and a reputation like that, you know, who's a publisher going to go with? Somebody who's already established and has a following, or a new person who, you know, doesn't have a following and they don't know how they'll work with them. So that that could come into play also Mm -hmm.
2: another possibility go go for it go for it yeah another possibility um, is that um we should keep in mind that this data only covers games that are licensed to publishers in the traditional fashion Um, it does Mm -hmm. not cover Mm -hmm. self-publishing so it could be that a lot of first-time designers are going the self-publishing route Um, Kickstarter has made that a lot easier now than Mm it was even, even pre 2015.
1: Right. The, I think the other part of this data though, that's really interesting to me is so the 57 and 40%, what, what I didn't mention was that in 2015, pre 2015, 35% of designers had one to four games while 8% had five plus games already published. And then in 2015 and 2020, that went to 37 and 23%. So that was really the biggest change. One of the things that I think about with that, when you think of companies, like so many designers I know now are working for publishing companies, right? Like, so the designers who would have taken your survey, um, you know, pre-2015, who who maybe had one game published or two games published, now who have probably worked on, 10 plus games because if they're working for you know like think of anyone from Prospero Hall right or you know I think of other people we know that have joined um, companies you know like of late that are now working in developing publishing so yeah I I have to wonder if that possibly um, has an impact on that as well Um, Mm -hmm. because I I think the, the like the negative feeling for the data is like not, I'm not blaming the data, but the negative feeling for the industry, right? It's like, hey, like 40%, like that's a huge drop in like new designers getting access or is part of it that in the last five years, so many new designers have been published, right? That five years later, they've been published again, right? So now mm-hmm. when they're answering your survey, they've just been published a second or third time and that's, that's really changing the landscape in it. And it's not a negative thing, right? It's just that there are less, by percentage, first-time publishers. I mean, first-time designers being published.
2: Yeah, for sure. There's, uh, I mean, thousands and thousands more games have come out since 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And so a lot of those are just naturally going to have been done by the same designer. There's going to be... A, a big pool of designers who have designed a hand and gotten published a handful of games in that time.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. There's only one more thing I want to call out, which a little further down, uh, and it's because you mentioned it. Uh, you said you know more people are going like there's the ability to have Kickstarter and stuff for like first time publishers if if they're publishing their own game or something like that. Um, but it was interesting to see overall that the industry has declined in its use of Kickstarter um to where you've got you know like originally it was 48 percent of games were funded through kickstarter and now it's down to 32 mm-hmm. um but i do think that part of that is probably the number of games being published like you said and the number of companies that are larger that are not doing kickstarter anymore i, I think we've seen that trend with some bigger companies where they just aren't using kickstarter like they were because they don't have to and because well, I mean, Kickstarter's is a pain in the butt, right? For all the good things it does, it's also
2: kind of a pain in the butt to use. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it could be, I mean, the thing that maybe ties both of those trends together is that a publisher who is going to be kickstarting a game may just be mm-hmm. more likely to design the game in-house. Um, and so maybe it's a big right. publisher that has people on staff. Maybe it's one person who's kickstarting their game instead of licensing it. Like that could be right, part of right. those two things could both be happening.
1: That's that's a really good point. So I think one more thing that's probably worth pointing out, um, is uh so this really caught my eye is you you talk about advances and like I remember feeling this out on the first survey and like feeling guilty, like talking about it. Cause like we have this thing in America where like our, our corporate overlords have like tricked us into believing we should not like talk about money, even though like Legally, you can always talk about money and you should talk about money um, to help people make sure everybody's being paid fairly and stuff, right? Um, and you all talked about money with these advances. And um, so back, I'm just going to read these statistics and then we should chat about them for a minute here. So in pre-2015, 23% of people, oh, sorry, we'll start with this, 27% of people got over $1,000, like $1,000 or more for an advance. Um, 23% were less than 1000 51% were nothing. Um, Fast forward to now, um, 39% of people that jumped up, uh, 12% are getting over a thousand. Um, the less than a thousand went down to 17%, which I'm sure is because money was being funneled into those larger, larger ones. And especially because when you look at 40, 40, that went down to 44% of people, um, getting zero. Um, and that's, that's promising, right? To see that. Um,
2: uh, Go ahead, yeah, I mean honestly, like one of the things that 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 I personally remember being very, very surprised about when we did the first survey back in 2015 was how high the percentage was of contracts that did not offer any advance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know we're we're big believers um, as and as advocates for game designers in general. Um, mm-hmm. that you should get an advance and so it was yes. it was very surprising that more than half of, of contracts did not give any advance like like advances were actually less common uh than right. advances back then right. but but yeah like the, the fact that it's at least shifted a few percentage points now mm-hmm. um, and now now it's more common that you get an advance um I mean, and
1: more common you get a better advance even
2: yeah <laughs> you getting an advance right like it's
1: the the amount has went up
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like we, we kind of thought of like the thousand dollar mark of as being kind of like a quote unquote big advance, uh, mm-hmm. but that's honestly that's that's becoming the norm. That's probably the the most common arrangement is it's a thousand bucks.
1: That's certainly been what I've seen. And anytime any time an advance that I'm offered is higher than that, I'm always like, all right, like that's great, like that's <laughs> like because that kind of feels like the mark of like, you know, when I. Just a side note about that, and and um, you know, I think that it's like tell the publisher you want an advance, right? Like, like when you're pitching, tell the publisher you want an advance, Um, even if that's got to be a smaller advance. It, it, this is one of those industries where, like, we do a lot of we do basically a hundred percent of our work on spec for your average designer, right? I mean, literally most of the work we do, other than the fact that we're learning from it and you know we're getting better like it's for free, you know? Um, so if somebody wants your game, like make sure they want your game, you know, and and understand that the size of the publisher means what they can give you. Um, and smaller publishers may have to give you less. Um, or if you have, you know, if you've got five co-designers, you're probably not all going to get a thousand dollars. And that's fair, right? Because that, you know, that becomes harder. Um, but I think that it's important to, if you're in a position to ask for an advance, you should do that. And, That was taught to me by some design friends of mine who just said, you know, we ask for an advance and we say that that's kind of a deal breaker um, because companies should be willing to to put their money where their mouth is. Right. I mean, you know, contracts are incredibly favorable towards the publisher, like and when you're getting nothing and they can just drop your game like that's not you know, I mean, I know that some contracts will like kill fees. So like if the publisher wants to do it, they have to pay you to do that. Um, but most of the time publishers could just do nothing, right? Two years later, you get your game back. Uh, it was a waste. And, uh, so try, try to get an advance. I know that I've been in the situations where I haven't and have severely regretted it.
2: Um, yeah, having, 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 there's a psychological thing that goes on with publishers where if they've already shelled out a a little bit of money for this design, Mm -hmm. now loss aversion kicks in and so they've got skin in the game. And so now they're they they're invested in your game in a way that they wouldn't be if they yes. had not given an advance.
1: Yep. Yeah. And that is uh, throwing out the old psychology there. That's good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's accurate. People believe more in what they pay for. It is true. Yeah. Uh, you have more value in something you paid for than what you got for free, for sure. Um, excellent. Well, you also, uh, I don't remember if I mentioned this or if we just talked about it, but you also recently released a game. Um, and so I wanted to uh, to give you two the chance to pitch that game uh, as part of your time here on the episode. So uh, so tell me about the game.
0: Chris, can, uh, you can do the honors.
2: Yeah, so we have a new game. Uh, it is called Quad Squad and uh this it's Such a, party a game. it's a it's our first party game well it's funny you know we we went through a bajillion options for the name before settling on that one it was like the last thing that we did because <laughs> we just couldn't come up with something
0: uh but well
2: we had
0: something we had something but we, had
2: something, but we, we didn't like it <laughs> that's fair been there <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh
2: but quad squad is a, a party game It's it's actually it's the First party game that we've put out, right?
0: Uh it's the first one that's out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and the the basic idea is that it's kind of uh it's based on if you've ever seen um there's this meme format uh where there's like a square that's divided in two halves, vertically and Mm -hmm. horizontally, to create a two by two grid. Um, And there's Mm -hmm. an upper left, upper right, bottom left, bottom right. Um, And there's two, uh, there's like a north-south axis and an east-west axis. And the idea is that um, they're each of these uh, axes. Got to figure (laughs) out how to say that if we're going to be promoting this game. I think it's axes, but
1: (laughs) I'm not honestly 100% sure on that. It sounds more technical when you say it that way
2: for sure. It sounds fancier when you say axes. Uh, so each, ax- each of the axes is, is uh, labeled with kind of like two opposites. So it might be hot and cold or uh, uh, friendly or unfriendly. Um, and uh, so what that does is that creates four quadrants. Um, and when it's your turn, you can name anything that you want. And all of the other players have to decide which of those four quadrants it belongs in. Um, and the trick is that you get a point for every, every different quadrant that one of the other players picks. So you want to come up with something that splits oh, the vote nice. as much as possible. Uh, and so, so two, th- two, that, so that, that kind of means two things. The first is that when you're coming up with a clue, you have to try and be a little bit clever or creative about it, um, mm-hmm, and figure mm-hmm. out, okay, what's gonna be in that gray area in between on both of these two axes. Um, but then also what always happens is when, when every, after everybody votes, you, the votes get revealed and never fails, someone is going to diverge from what the rest of the group said and, or it's going to be split widely and people are going to be like, why would you say that? It obviously yes. goes in this quadrant. And so yes. it creates yes. those, those great moments where people argue over the silliest category <laughs> of, of things.
1: Oh, that does, that does make a good party game. That's fantastic. And I, I, uh, I love, I love party games that create arguments among friends. Like, <laughs> those are the best, right? Oh, that's no, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, I'm just thinking about all of the like, oh my gosh, like there's so many different things you could. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Like <laughs> just so, so thinking here- about things I would say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so like here's,
2: here's an example here. Oh yeah. let's see, let's see what you would say for this. Um, this is, this is, this is an actual example from a round of, of the game that had been previously played. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, so the, the North South axis is friend and enemy. Mm-hmm. And then the East West axis is climbs and crawls. Okay. So friend and enemy and climbs and crawls. So you have to decide if it's climbs and friend or if it's crawls and friend or if it's climbs an enemy or crawls an enemy, those are the four options. Right. And the clue that somebody gave was spider. Yeah, I was gonna. I was,
1: that was like, if you were going to ask me, I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> obviously that's spider because that's going to be so divided because yeah, because everybody like, like has a different opinion, but all those things are true about spiders. Right. <laughs> um, so i I would probably put it in the access uh or the. I would say is, is I'm trying to visualize enemy and climbs. Is that one enemy
2: and climbs? That's yeah, so funny. I was gonna say the exact opposite. Oh, i was friendly say, and I, crawls. I was
1: say friends and crawls. I get that it's. I get that spiders are good, but they, like they get all the bugs that you don't want. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. We can be the best. I could do with spiders is frenemies. Like that's the best I can do. I, I have like upgraded to the rule in the last several years that I definitely don't kill spiders that I see outside. Like, and if I see a spider inside, if it's a spider that I could maneuver out of the house without like, you know, uh, feeling the need to scream like a small child. Uh, then I will do that. Um, Yeah, so I, I'm trying. I'm trying very hard to like Nicole Amato comes on. It's like, I have a jumping spider living in my porch and I just sits on my head and it's great. And I'm like, what? it's no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> True story. There's an episode where she actually talks about a spider living in her apartment that was like her friend for like a week. It was, just, it was, it was really interesting.
0: I love Nicole.
1: <clears throat> she's she's the best, right? I mean,
0: <laughs> yes, but not spiders. You don't like spiders. No, I'm allergic to spiders. So whenever but, there's a spider in the house and where we live, there's a whole lot of spiders. We get a lot of spiders. Um, I start screaming and I call Chris. <laughs> or I have started asking my 12-year-old daughter to get rid of it, to take it outside. So, so if so... Chris is busy, if he's working, then it goes right. to Lily. How, how does... How does allergic
1: to spiders explain that to me? Like, cause like I would say that I'm allergic to spiders in the sense of having a huge aversion to them, but like, like you're allergic to like them, like, like, yeah, I'm going to need more so, explanation on this.
0: So <laughs> some, spiders, some spiders bite and I'm allergic to that, but then I don't know if it's like, if they just like land on me, I don't know what causes it, but like, like wherever they they are like, I'll just get hives. You
2: have like an actual, oh, yeah, like like I have a, physical, a wow. physical
0: thing. I noticed it. So I grew up in a city and we didn't really have spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we might have, I don't know. I, n- I right. never saw yeah. them. And, um, the, if I did, it was very rare. And, uh, I used to teach and the school that I taught at was, um, you know, it, it had spiders and, uh, it was there that, I had my first allergic reaction. Um, and yeah, no, it, it, wow. it's not like terrible. Like, you know, my throat doesn't close or anything like yeah, that. So like but, anaphylactic.
1: That's good. That's
0: yeah. Good. No, no, but I, I get hives and a little bit of swelling and itchiness and um, I can feel nauseous. Like it's, it's not pleasant. Wow.
1: Yeah. I like, I would stay away from like actual like spiders with like real venom. That's bad. Cause like, I wonder if you would have a worse reaction to that or
0: I don't know. And I don't just know what ponder kind of that for a while. To? That doesn't
1: sound right.
0: Yeah. Oh, if it's
1: just a certain kind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I fair. have, yeah. and
0: cause like we have all different kinds of spiders here. We have like every gross thing that you can imagine. <laughs> no, that's not true. I mean, there's a lot of gross things that we don't have here, but you know, we have tarantulas we have of, probably not. So that's good. Yeah.
2: So yeah. de- definitely enemy for you. That yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I
0: was enemy in crawls. <laughs> okay, okay.
2: So we're we're team um, crawls over here, but uh, right. splitting on uh, <laughs> under enemy. Okay, yeah, no. <laughs> this that game sounds
1: fantastic. And how are you putting it out? Like, how is it? Um, oh, that's
0: actually interesting. So this is the really cool part. So one of the things that uh, we like to do is we like to try different publishing avenues. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've published with Small publishers, we've published with Large publishers, we've self-published We've done print and plays um, But this, this was A first for us, and uh, so Chris, you can take it over from here.
1: Is uh, no. Let me guess, every card Is an NFT
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That'll get us in big trouble Did I spoil it? No <laughs> Well, you got the digital part right at least. Yeah. So, but uh, you can you can set aside all everything else at NFT. I <laughs> say. Uh, so, so the game is actually hosted on an online platform um, mm-hmm. where you can play the game virtually
0: for free
2: for free. Um, and uh, so, so there's this platform. It's called the One Word Platform. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as as I'm sure a lot of us uh, came to uh, appreciate. Over the course of the pandemic, uh, there were a number of places, uh, just a limited number of places, that you could actually play games simultaneously online and with other people. Um, right, and, right. And one of the one of the ones that was really a standout during that period was a version of just one that um, mm-hmm. was called okay. One Word. And this is kind of like a fan made uh, implementation of it online, so that you could sign in to a zoom call with your friends um everybody logs into this website and you can play the game that way right um the people who made that um decided to build out that platform um to host a wider range of games um including Mm -hmm. opening opening it up to game designers to work with them directly Um, and so we have an arrangement with them very much like a publishing agreement uh, where they're hosting our game. Um, it's on... Um, the website is oneword.games slash quadsquad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can go there, you log in. Um, there's a whole interface that they put together, a very nice-looking interface. We're really impressed with the job that they did. Um, and, and I just want
0: to jump in. They were so amazingly awesome to work oh, with. Oh, such a pleasure to work like, with. Like, they were just fun and energetic and nice and super talented. Like any designers that are listening to this, if you have the chance to work with them or just meet them, like, please do. They are really, really just to, like fantastic. I, I cannot say enough positive things about them. They have been, um, they, they've, they've blown me away. They have just been absolutely great to work with. Very cool.
1: Yeah. This website is great. Yeah. I, uh, I found it. So yeah, and I see Quads got on there. So yes. Well, everybody go check that out. This is fantastic. Congrats. Yeah,
2: thanks. So this is this is like the it's the only thing that we did during the pandemic. <laughs> That's all we have to show for the past year and a half.
1: <laughs> That's fair, yeah. That is fair.
2: Although we do have we do have other things that had been yeah. in the works. Uh just it's all coming together right now. Uh, we uh-huh. got the infographic, we got the award coming up, a couple of other things. This game—it's it's all of that past year and a half of—it's just been like kind of laying the groundwork, and right, right now everything's right. coming together all at once.
0: We we have several games that have been licensed too that uh, were supposed to come out, but they're pushed back like a lot of other um, games. So yeah.
1: I know the feeling you, on, on that. Yes,
0: to uh, see the light of day. I'm sure you know what that's like.
1: Yes, yes, so, um, yeah, this is, th- yeah, yeah, so, I'm excited for y'all, very cool.
0: Cool, thank you.
1: Well, hey, I super appreciate the two of you hanging out with me tonight, and being on the show, this was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully our listeners found it uh, useful, I'm sure, I'm sure they did, but uh, I always say that I hope they did, but I really believe that they did, um, and if they didn't, well, that's their fault, so... <laughs> Um, but I do want to throw out so you all are on uh Twitter as cardboard at cardboard edison, correct? Yes. Yep, whole yep. thing fits. Um, and then uh, you have a Patreon under Cardboard Edison, and uh I encourage people to check that out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they can check you out too at one word. Um, and then uh I was also gonna throw out the obviously check out the uh, publisher directory. Um, But then also you've got um, the Omnibus. Um, So, uh, yeah, talk about that for a second here.
2: Oh, yeah, that is uh, that is our weekly game design newsletter um, that uh, we put out. Um, it's a subscription newsletter, uh, premium service. Um, it kind of collects a lot of the things that uh, that we find each week, but then it also has some sort of like exclusive stuff in there that isn't available anywhere else. Um, so we've got articles about game design, interviews, um, all kinds of different things. and uh, and you know kind of like a deep dive into our archives to highlight past things um, that we've done um there's a lot more stuff that we put into that newsletter um that doesn't go on the blog or our twitter account um Mm -hmm. because the blog and the twitter account we keep for okay is this is this kind of like an evergreen useful thing about game design Um, right right newsletter is very much more focused on what's going on in the industry um it's like what you know it's like um keeping you up to the moment on, you know, news developments, moves in the industry. If you know, there's like new publishers showing up that kind of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we try and make it worth, we try and make it worth the money uh, that, uh, to to put it together by kind of adding in um, all of that extra stuff.
1: And do people get that through Patreon or a different way?
2: Correct. That's right. Um, that's one of the Patreon pledge levels that we have. Perfect. The $5 and up pledge level.
0: Perfect. But we also have, we just launched um, bundles for people that uh, want to check it out, but maybe not commit. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So, like back issues of the newsletter, um, kind oh, of cool. thematically. Cool. So, there's like a bundle, it's called Big Ideas. It's about, you know, kind of like, the you know deep thoughts about how games des- games work, um, you know, kind of like uh, game design theory stuff. Um, there's cool. one that's a bundle of, of articles about um, digital tools for for making board games. Um, there's one about kind of like advanced playtesting tips. Um, there's I think I think there's like ten different. Bundles. Yeah, we
0: we have ten, 10 different bundles currently available. That's yeah. great. What
2: a
1: great idea. Yeah, I know, and that's perfect. Like, hey, here's some stuff you might be interested in, like based on this topic. I love that. I love that. That's really yeah. good. And we
2: send for, if people do want to subscribe to the newsletter um, as like a sign up bonus, uh, you can pick any one of those bundles for free and we'll send it to you.
1: Nice. Nice. Very, very cool. Um, and I, uh, people can find you coming up here at PAX U. Is that correct?
0: Yes. We will be there Friday and Saturday at the Unpub Room.
1: Very cool that you'll be in good company. There'll be a lot of people from the show, uh, here, uh, notables that I know Julio will be there. Um, uh, Jamie, uh, Sabrio Flez will be there. Roscoe shock will be there, uh, among many others. Uh, but those are just the ones I remember recently who said they would be there. So
0: yeah, Nice. I will be there. We'll, we'll both be there the whole time. So it's pretty
2: much, the Unpub room is pretty much the only reason we right. are going to get Pax Yeah, I, I, <laughs> imagine, fair, I, yeah. Don't,
0: I don't know if you know I'm on the board for Unpub. Um, so I
2: did know that, yes.
1: Yeah, I forgot so, to mention that, but I remember when I was looking at the board members a few months back, I saw you were on there, so yes.
0: Yep, so I will be there uh, helping out and dragging Chris along to help out also.
1: <laughs> it's a great place to hang out and to help out though, so oh, lots it's of fun people, lots of fun games.
0: So. it's fantastic it's i i love playtesting and i love the whole vibe that Unpub mm-hmm. offers
1: same same yeah i can't wait to get back to it next year so well thank you two so much for hanging out again tonight this was so much fun it was great to see you again it was great to chat about oh, everything likewise. and uh yeah thanks well thanks for having um... us of course. Of course. Yes. Anytime. I mean that like, don't wait like several years. Like we should get you back sooner than that.
2: <laughs> I mean, what, what what do you do next week? Right?
1: <laughs> I have another episode, but the week after that is probably open. So. Um. All right. Well, Hey listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we gave out uh cardboard Edison's info. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can find us at podcast BTG at J Slingerland. Uh, you can also go to our website, buildinggamepodcast.com. Email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Call us at 770 hotel btg uh, Also, you gonna, You can join our Discord channel from a website. Uh, our Discord channel is really fun. Uh, still doing those weekly meetups. They're great. Please join those. And um, I think that's everything. Episode 500 is drawing very, very near. This is episode 496. So very few episodes left. Just three more until the finally you'll get to hear 500. Uh, after that. And uh, it's going to be an exciting, big, crazy episode with surprises and things you'll never expect. Maybe some fireworks, probably not, Um, but it's going to be good and you're not going to want to miss it. So please come back for that. But until next time, good night. Good night good night building the game which isn't in friends which isn't in friends building the game building the game which isn't in friends which isn't in friends dial 770 tell BTG. please don't use the email